Welcome again to uh, the Pastor's Bible Study. We're going to do something slightly different. Every week is going to be standalone, and we it usually is just from a standpoint of going verse by verse through a Bible, a book of the Bible. But what we're going to do is, is I've never done this before. It's, the title is, Is That Really in the Bible? And so I went and I found some very obscure, strange stories, all sorts of things. You might have known them, you might have read them, you've probably heard about them, but I thought what we could do is, is we could read them, we could familiarize ourselves with them, and then we could also have some biblical understanding behind and see why these stories are in the Bible, maybe what their relevance is to us today. So what is in the Bible and what is, isn't in the Bible is important, I think, and we should never, I think, you could say, put words in God's mouth, right? So it's important not to put words in God's mouth. But we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe uh, the words of God. We believe that it's the authority of our life. We also believe that everything that is needed for salvation, they say, is contained in these scriptures, okay, for understanding how um, God saves us. And then the, it is the best-selling book of all time, and it is the most shoplifted book of all time. So those are two great stats right there. So as Christians, we often know the Bible well. I would say probably in here, a lot of you know the Bible even better than I do when it comes to, you know, uh, swords and, you know, whatever you look up a verse or whatever. And so I was thinking about, and I didn't have a chance to do it this week, but I think next week we're going to start where every Wednesday we're going to start with a little bit, who can get to the Bible verse first, and then I'll give you a little piece of chocolate and all that stuff. You probably grew up maybe doing that. So what is that called again? Bible, I don't know what they call that, something. Bribery. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Christians do know the Bible well most of the time. Sometimes we're learning the Bible more. Uh, sometimes we don't even know what's in there. There's some obscure, strange surprises. There's characters, there's stories, meanings that we, you know, things that we've never heard, seen, read, and, uh, or paid attention to. And some of the things are bizarre, right? Some are so disturbing, and some are just funny and weird, and there's a lot of truth there that we're going to be studying and looking at, a lot of fun. And also, the Bible is just a fantastic read because of some of the crazy fun stuff in there. So, this spring, we're going to be talking about assumptions that we might have that aren't actually scriptural. And that's what we're going to start out with tonight a little bit. Then we're going to talk about unicorns and giants, because that's in the Bible. We're going to talk about donkeys, talking donkeys, because many of us know that's in the Bible. We're going to talk about assassins, because that's in the Bible. We're going to talk about promises that God never made, that Christians think that God made to them. We're going to talk about those. Uh, we're going to talk about how we make wise decisions. 
So this room, you guys should know everything about how to make wise decisions, but we're going to talk about a formula. We're going to talk about sacrificing children and promises that people made to God that really shouldn't have made to God. And then we're going to talk about miracles at construction sites. We're going to talk about deadly sermons, sermons that kill people. And then we're going to talk about other fun and disturbing tales. So we're going to treat them one at a time. And so it might be a lot of fun. We'll see what comes out and questions. And so what um, I'm going to do, remind me at the end of each one of these that we need to, I need to give you the next weeks. And so you can read it and you can have a little fun looking forward to it. But Marty, yes, sir. Uh, I'm just curious. Is mm-hmm. anybody ever said that one of your sermons killed someone? No. <laughs> I would be so proud if it happened. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I should be proud, but I think I would be proud. Wouldn't you kind of be proud of that? I mean, anyway. So, um, anyway. So, uh, this is... I don't know. I don't know. That's right. There's been some little kids that looked at me like... So these are usually subjects, of course, that aren't preached on, aren't taught in Sunday school class, and it'll give us an opportunity to see the truth in the midst of these stories. So since it's Epiphany, or was Christmas time, and our Christmas decorations just came down today or yesterday or whatever in the church, we're going to talk about three kings. So we're going to talk about the three wise men actually, tonight, because there are so many misconceptions and assumptions about the three wise men. And so we're going to have a little fun. Now, I'll probably be teaching, and you know all this stuff, but I think it'll be a great way to engage, familiarize yourself with this. And so we just came through an epiphany. Basically, the time that they attribute the, this understanding of when the, the three wise men showed up, the Magi showed up, it was is January 6th, right? And what does it do? In the South or Louisiana or somewhere, they, you know, kick off with a king cake, right? Or whatever. It's carnival festival season or whatever it's called. So, um, so we have this, um, we have these Christmas carols, of course, that some of them theologically are interesting sometimes uh, is the best way to say that. But we have one called We Three Kings. And it says, we three kings of Orient are, right? You've probably sung this, bearing gifts we traverse afar. Um, and field and fountain, moor and mountain, fouling yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty, bright, westward leading, still proceeding. Guide us to thy perfect light. Hey, y'all. And so... Um, it's interesting. Uh, that's, the, that's a hymn, a Christmas hymn, right? And we've all sung it, most likely. It's called We Three Kings, and this time is a time of epiphany. And again, a Christian festival that really celebrated more from the Western uh, standpoint of the church. And really the understanding of that time is a revelation that Jesus Christ was this this. God, our God incarnate, right? So that's kind of the celebration and that Jesus was um, worshiped and presented to the Gentiles and to the pagans. So um, again, starts sort of the carnival season and we all know that with the king cake and stuff. Did anybody have a king cake this week? 
Yeah, anybody? Yeah. Got the Christmas lights on to the six. Yeah, a lot of people don't like king cakes, so yeah. Anyway, so have some king cake coffee or something, right? So here's the thing: there are myths. What what's really in the Bible? That's what we're kind of talking about for those. Is this really in the Bible, or is it not really in the Bible? And so with the three wise men or magi, it's kings versus magi, right? We're going to talk about who they are. We're going to talk about how many there were. We're going to talk about what they were. We're going to talk about when it happened, where are they from, and why. So it's just a good way to wrap up the Christmas season as well and sort of talk about some of our misunderstandings of Scripture and how we add to Bible stories all the time as Christians. We so love to do that. And there are some fascinating characters, of course, in the Bible, but we're going to talk about this. So let's all turn to Matthew chapter 2. So if you got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We'll probably start out by reading the entire scripture passage as to us, verses 1 through 12 is what we're going to be looking at. And then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down with those topics as well. So Matthew chapter 2, and I'm using the New Living Translation for this. I also have the NIV here on my sheet as well, and that, those are the two versions that I have with me. But I'm going to read the NLT. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judea, uh, Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They had, uh, then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So, the first question as we talk about this evening is, who are these guys, right? We have this Christmas hymn, We Three Kings. Um, were they kings? What does Matthew tell us? Does anybody see that in verse 1? Can we identify who these guys are? All right, 
wise men, magi, your version might say, right? Royal astrologers. That's a way to look at it as well. So, does it say kings? No. No. Most likely, they were not kings. We will talk more about that a little bit later. But verse 1 talks about the wise men, sure. Kings, no. Okay. Magi, yes. Okay, magi. Um, There's a Greek word, magos, M-A-G-O-S, and it was a priestly caste. In, in Media or in Persia, okay? This was like the Levites, okay, of Israel. It would be the Magi, the Magos, okay? And the religion at that time in the Persian world was uh, Zoroastrianism. So Zoroastrianism was, uh, these were Zoroastrian priests, perhaps. They were responsible for the rituals, and the religious life or the cultic life. Um, They were in charge of sacrifices, prayers. They were royal advisors to the courts, again, much like the Levites. They they had a vast knowledge of astrology. They had a vast knowledge of interpreting dreams. They were concerned with the movement of the stars because they believed that you could predict the future because of the movement of stars. So they were scientists. They were astronomers. They were, um, they believed there was unity between the divine and the very movement of the stars and, and what they could see in the sky. They weren't kings. Again, they were wise men. They were magi. Then, and they were wise men in a secular sense, Okay. They weren't wise in the sense of God-wise. They were wise in a secular sense. Yes, sir? I'm curious, then, in verse 12, mm-hmm. it says that God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Yeah. So what God are we talking cool. about? Cool. Pretty cool. Is, talking about our guy. Is it, is it the Jewish God? Or is it? Talking, about, talking about our Jewish God. The God, yeah. So, Which is really cool. Um, because that ties into the whole of the story, which we'll get to. I'm going to wrap it all up with all that, but that's a good question. So in verse 1, it also says that they are from the east, right? Um, they are from during the reign of king, you know, so you have different, depending on men, wise men from eastern lands or magi from east came to Jerusalem. Does anybody else have another version of that? I mean, it's just from the east, okay? So Arabia was an option. So where are they from? East. There are some maps floating around, and you guys can share them. You don't have to actually, I mean, we're going to, you can just share them. Or you got one in your Bible maybe or on your tablet or whatever. But this is, you can kind of see... Um, so a lot of people think that maybe they were from Arabia because the three gifts given originated from Arabia, okay? And that's not Saudi Arabia we're talking about. We're talking about Syria and Jordan, okay? That, and, and so you had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which really probably, which most people thought at that time originated from the Arabian uh, understanding of that part of the world. Now, we get this, um, there's a Latin word for east, 
which is O-R-I-E-N-S, Arians, maybe, which we get the word Orient, okay? So we three kings from the Orient, okay, really means we three kings from the East. But we think of Orient, when we think of Orient, we think of an out, basically it's an outdated word of the Eastern Asia, right? So we get a little confused by that. It causes some confusion. So really we shouldn't talk about the Orient. Now some people would think maybe that Babylon was where they were from. That's east of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And in Babylon, they would have had access to the Jewish scriptures, correct, at some point in time through the history because of the exile. And so they would have had these scriptures possibly that talked about a Messiah being born, right, the Old Testament scriptures, which they do, and all, then maybe even looking for these type of things. Again, these were men who were astrologers, astronomers. They were people that were looking for stars, you know, doing, moving, doing different things. So, um, now, my thought would be uh, Persian, and that's where the map comes in. You can kind of look at um, this map. I think Persia because I think if you have, it says Magi, and you have a priestly caste called Magi in Persia, in Persia then it's probably there. So Persia, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but Persia's quite a bit of distance away from Jerusalem. So that's a little bit different than coming from Babylon, and it's a little bit different than coming from Syria and Jordan, which would have been very close as well, but it would have been from the east, okay? So... That would have been both of months of travel. So, multiple months, if you track down where they're from, were they hanging out with Jesus the night he was born? No. So all our nativity scenes, slightly wrong. But we're going to get to why they're a little wrong. On some, We'll get to that here in just a minute. So how did they get there? What was the other thing that they encountered? And what was the thing they encountered? They, a star, right? Is That's what we hear, right? They say, um, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw the, his star as it rose, and we have to come and we have to worship him or play, pay homage to him. So here's these guys from a far off land showing up, talking to Herod, the king of the Jews. Herod was the king of the Jews, okay? And saying, where's the new king of the Jews? Which creeped out Herod a little bit, but they saw a star. That's how they got there. They had this thing, and so it, it signaled something. These were men who spent their life looking for these signals, though. So you think, well, I mean, why? Okay, that's a cool star, but why are you going to like travel like maybe thousands of kilometers and miles to go and find whatever? Well, that was a part of what they did do. Magi did that all around. There's records in ancient texts about Magi showing up to all sorts of different births, okay? Uh, very important people. So I'm not going to name all those and go through them all, but they were looking because this was their profession, okay? Other people, not so much, but these folks, yes. Yes, ma'am. I can't tell you where, where I read this or heard this. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was back in that time mm-hmm. that learning was much more combined. 
Mm-hmm. Like astrology was combined with the with religion. Yeah, the spiritual and side. Math mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Science and all of that, and it was it was mm-hmm. all kind of right together. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. It just occurred to me. East could, could could refer to distant space, not country. Sure. Yeah. That, sure. That's a new new insight. Yep, you never know. That's right. So you have in the book of Numbers, okay, in chapter 24, verse 17, it says, this is the prophecy of Balaam, okay? I'm not going to get into the big story of Balaam, but he was supposed to do something other than what he did, but God turned him to start to prophesy about how uh, Israel, uh, some things of Israel. And one of his prophecies, it says, I see him. But not now, I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. So out of Israel, a king will be born and will come from what? The seed of Jacob, which ultimately, that's where we have Matthew. The whole first chapter, right, is basically his genealogy. Right, Matthew is speaking to a Jewish audience, so the genealogy is very important. But then we get to this next point, and they would they would understand that there's some tie in this Old Testament and the star, and 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 that people have been looking for. Okay, so this is messianic language from the get go. So they would be totally in tune with that, and a star led them there. This Jewish audience, this Jewish Christian audience, or just Jewish audience at the time reading the Gospel of Matthew would go, wow, yeah, okay. And so they're tying in to this understanding of this star led them. So in verse 9, it skips over, we can just skip to verse 9, but it says, the star moved to them to Bethlehem, okay, over Beth, it moved them to Bethlehem, okay, after... And this is interesting. After they talked with the priests and the scribes, where did the star originally lead them? Jerusalem. So we have to look at that too. Is oftentimes we think, well, the star was just hovering over Bethlehem in the place of Jesus, and that's what led them to. No, it actually led them to Jerusalem first. And then it began to, and it rested over the place, okay? So very interesting. We'll get more into that in a minute, but star. So what the heck was it? A lot of people, I can say whatever God wanted to make it, that's what it was. I'm okay with that, right? So a lot of people would uh, can trace some things back. 7 BC, which would have been before we date Jesus, uh, but... A lot of times we date Jesus to 3 B.C., you know, but 7 B.C., Saturn and Jupiter, this is cool, overlapped, okay, and created this bright thing in the constellation. This became part of this constellation, um, Piscis, how you say, what is it now? P-I-S-C-E-S. Pisces. Pisces. Thank you. See, I knew you smart people would know this. So Pisces. Okay. So the constellation of Pisces 
Um, so Jupiter is the planet of royalty. Saturn, back then, they would know it as the, the planet of Palestine, which is interesting. And Pisces was the sign of the last days. So end king being, the end king being born, the royalty. It's very interesting. So that doesn't explain, actually, how the star moved. Okay, um, that just explained, mm, that could have been that, okay? So between 5 and 2 BC, there was an unusual astronomic phenomenon that happened. The Egyptian, in the Egyptian month of uh, Masori, which means the birth of the prince, uh, Sirius, like Sirius Radio, um, the dog star rose at sunrise, which is crazy. And it was super brilliant and super bright. And so that's one thing that actually happened around that time. And then in 11 BC, you can track back to where Halley's Comet was visible. So if you didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that, but now I do. So, um, but we don't know um, you know, uh, why we don't know, really know anything about the star just because they had this profession. They looked at this stuff. They had this, they, they had, they wanted to see these things. So they noticed all these things. Then they saw this thing come up and go, wow, that's, that's spectacular. That's something different. We need to follow that because they would have been looking, waiting all their life for something like that and something to, to see like that, that they could go pay homage to some king or something. I mean, there are stories about Nero when he was born, and there are stories about other people when he was, you know, all these different stories about these phenomenons happening. So um, also at this time, and we might think about this later too, but there's a sense of eagerness at this time. If you go back and study the culture, and one of the commentaries that I was reading was talking about the culture, the very culture at that time when Jesus was born, all the cultures of the world had this sense of eagerness. That something was going to happen. Something big was going to happen. Very interesting. So, um, okay. So, how many? How many wise men? It doesn't say. All right. We got some biblical scholars in here. doesn't say, does it? That's correct, yes. Smart people. Right? Matthew just uses the plural, right? He, he doesn't say. Um, why do we think it's probably three? Three gifts, right? It's obvious. There's only three guys because there's three gifts. Right? So, um, maybe not. So, interesting, um, the Eastern Church, the East, not the Western Church, like a, the Eastern Church believes there's 12. Wow. Well, perfect number. Tribes, 12 tribes, right? 12 disciples. There are, in the catacombs, there are pictures of three, four, five, all sorts of different things. Um, the Western Church, we believe three. Um, Yes, sir. Fourth one Excellent. Excellent. I like fruit cake. 
I know, exactly. So actually, people believe, you know, it, tradition, again, not the Bible, not in the Bible. Tradition says that um, uh, Gaspar was one of them. They named the kings. Gaspar, Melkin, uh, Balthazar. I mean, they think the king of India was, one, was Gaspar, king of Persia was uh, Melkin, and then Balthazar was the king of Arabia. So there's actually names for these three too. So, but not biblical in that sense. And we don't really know how many there were. We could assume there could have been more. So, but again, the gifts, those are cool. So we got three gifts, right? And so we assume there's three because three gifts. Well, there's some cool stuff about those gifts, right? We had gold. Gold is a gift that honors a king, right? Frankincense is uh, we can actually tie that back even biblical to Isaiah 66, uh, verse 6. It talks about incense is a, uh, the fragrance of an expression of praise. So you had the king, you had an expression of praise, and then you had myrrh. And you can tie myrrh into um, Psalm 45, 8, and Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, verse uh, 6 of chapter 3, and that's a fragrance of kings, Okay. Uh, the modern understanding, we tend to attribute myrrh to the crucifixion and the burial. That's a modern understanding, though, okay? It wasn't probably their understanding of why they would give that gift, okay? That would be ours of how we saw, because we know some of the resurrection stories and how the women prepared spices, and so we attributed that back. And, and so there's some symbolism there. But the Old Testament actually... For myrrh, it, myrrh is a symbol of joy and celebration. Isn't that cool? So you had a fragrance of worship and praise. You had a gift that honors kings and gold. And then you had this symbol of joy and celebration. So three wonderful gifts to basically uh, honor Jesus Christ, the, the God incarnate. So the Gospel of Matthew, again, Jewish audience, would realize these gifts that they hear, these three, would be for a king and for something that's divine. So if you're a Jewish audience, you're reading the gospel of Jesus Christ, hadn't heard anything about Jesus, or you heard about Jesus through the grapevine or whatever, and you're reading this, you're trying to be convinced of this new way to follow, you would read that and you would go, oh, okay, those are gifts that you give to the divine and you give to a king. Okay, so it would match into their culture and it matched into their scriptures. So that's always a helpful thing when you're, you know, trying to convince some people, especially those folks that would know that. So that's kind of cool. Um, now in verse six, there's a quote of Micah chapter five, verse two. That's basically what what we're, we're hearing there, and um, that out of this city, you know, this is going to happen. So just bringing that into our uh, our. our brain here. So let's uh, look at verse 11. Skip to verse 11. We're going to talk about when, right? Said they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. So we've talked about already that they were probably from some distant land, correct? But they also, Scripture says right there that 
they entered the house. Not a manger, right? So uh, Jesus wasn't born in the manger. I mean, he was born in the manger, but this is not in the manger. So this is this is another place. Um, this is a house, and um, this is what? Not a baby, right? This is a child. Says a child. So this journey, if you say Persia, is nine thousand one hundred and eighty-seven miles from from uh, Bethlehem. Holy cow. If you drove it at 50 kilometers an hour, because when I looked this up, it was all in kilometers, kilometers, it would take you 295 hours. So this was quite a journey. So we had... Yeah. So think about, so we'll think about this. Herod, after this, we keep reading, right, in the different things. Herod, the king of the Jews, sets out to kill all children who are what? Under two for a particular reason. Because when the Magi visited Jesus, he was probably closer to two. Right? And so... Star stayed there a long time. Which is interesting, isn't it? As did Mary Joseph and Jesus. Correct. To be Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and um, Herod, so, so why, why would you put the Magi at the, like a manger nativity scene, at a nativity scene? Why would you do that? Christmas, Christmas pageants. What else did you say? It makes a good story. It makes a good story. There you go. Don't you love to base your whole life off of Scripture because it makes a good story in Christmas pageants, right? Um, so we tend to do those type of things when we look at the Bible uh, a lot of times, and we, we forget what the Bible really says. So these, some of these stories are very interesting. We have these assumptions. So it's not biblical that they would probably be at the manger, but it's convenient and it's simple and I'm not dogging anybody for putting them there. It's just so easy to have a nativity story if you're trying to tell the story in the Im- you know in images for people that maybe couldn't read, right? At some point in time, you just had all these characters and then they would say, "Well, who are those people?" and you could tell the story about the magi. So, it's uh, whether they were dressed like kings or not, you know, I don't know, you know. I guess they could have been. So, yes, sir. But after the census, wouldn't Joseph and Mary gone back to Nazareth? Yeah. You would think. The you the would think. Would been, the house would have been empty, or the inn would have been, have been empty. So you think. The baby and the child there. All right. So you have months and years. Yeah. I mean, you have. You just don't know where we are in this. So. Well, Matthew does say. Do what? They couldn't come back. So let's look at the sequence. Y'all are talking about the sequence. So let's, look, let's think about the sequence. If we look at Matthew and we look at Luke, which have the two Christmas you know, stories or the narratives in there, you have Jesus' birth, you have the angels and the shepherds, then you have the circumcision and the presentation at the temple. Okay? Then you have the visit of the Magi, then you have the flight to Egypt, and then you have the resettlement of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. So that's the timetable, if you look at that. 
Well, that's so, very interesting. That's a combination of Luke and Matthew because correct. Luke doesn't have some of what Matthew has, and Matthew doesn't have. But you can piece them together, and it works. It doesn't. There's no. There's no weirdness. You yeah, just no. you can piece together, and it works. Um, pretty good. But um, yes. But if the star was mm-hmm. shown, <laughs> and saw him before the Yes. Easily. Easily. Yep. I don't think that's out of the. I mean that that would fit perfect in the story. So, yeah. Like here. Oh, there could have been economic Sure. You know they kind of created a scandal here. They. That's right. That's right. Yeah, most likely he probably found work. I mean, he was going to, you know, he had a new baby and his wife had just given birth and so he found work and again, like you said, they kind of had a scandal going on in their hometown. I mean, you know, he like accepted they had a new baby and this baby wasn't of those two supposedly and so, I mean, he had a lot of weird stuff going on so they probably didn't want to go home and uh, they made a life for themselves there. Mm-hmm. So, why do we think they came on camels? Do what? Why do we think they came on camels? Good point. Arabian horses? Did, yeah, did, did Persians travel on camels? I don't know. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Arabian Right. That'd be a horrible experience, wouldn't it? And I've never been pregnant, but I imagine that could be a horrible experience. But, uh, yes, yes. Dan, and then... When Herod uh, made his edict about killing all the babies under two, mm-hmm. was that all over Israel? Or was that... Where was that? That was in this location of Bethlehem area. Right, in the... the, 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 the somewhere else. I thought it was, thought it was all, all of Judea. Uh, no. Um, in Be- so... Well, Herod wasn't... Herod was buried. No, so Bethlehem was the area. Um, that one thing Herod was buried four miles away from Bethlehem, which is interesting. Now Jerusalem's pretty close to Bethlehem, but I mean it's he was it was kind of it's interesting to either he wanted everybody to think that he was the one born in Bethlehem and he was the king of the Jews or he maybe had some sort of weird remorse for killing a bunch of babies and a bunch of kids. So, I don't know. so if we yeah. uh, if we're showing this to our tiny little grandchildren and mm-hmm. we're explaining it to two of these stories, yes. we probably don't go into all this thing about well these wise men maybe no. they weren't free. Right. <laughs> wouldn't do that. Wouldn't need to do that. So wouldn't need to do that. <laughs> One of the things that Matthew says here is that when they returned to the land of Israel, mm-hmm. they didn't go to Judea because he was afraid to go there because mm-hmm. Herod's son. Because of Herod's, that's right. And so that was why they went to Nazareth. Nazareth, mm-hmm. which was not in Judea. Right. Yep. So you have um, an interesting trek for these two. And 
I just thought it was interesting. I've always, you know, we've all probably, you've probably talked about this too, but so you have, you know, a two-year-old baby. They they also all of a sudden get warned from God, hey, it's time to go. You got to go somewhere else. Go to Egypt, flee to Egypt, which fulfills the scripture, of course, that he comes out of Egypt. But it also, they have, have the Magi show up just about the same time and they get some gold. They get some frankincense and they get some myrrh and they get some three very, very expensive gifts. And, you know, a lot of times in our little pageants, we tend to have a little box or whatever. I mean, who knows? They might have had a truckload. Chest. Right. So they might have had this, yeah, so this big old load full, whatever the chest is, like, hey, bring the chest in. And they had like 50 guys bring it in. I don't know. So you have the funding, which I just think it's interesting. You have the very fund way you can fund your trip to Egypt until you can find why they were 12. Do I? Yeah. We'll go with that. That's right. Yeah. But one of the, so again, the reason why you have, not only God has, but the, the Magi are a part of this biblical story is so important is because Jesus, God, the Savior, is available to all people, not the Jew, only the Jews, right? But the pagans who are the Magi, right? These pagan people, the Gentiles, and then they actually hear from God, as we were talking about. They actually hear the same God. They actually hear God say, okay, don't go to Herod, go somewhere else. So you have the Gentiles honoring and worshiping God and you have the high priests, the scribes and Herod who are actually the people of God plotting to kill the son of God. Not only then, but also later on. And so such a strange, strange story, you know, that uh, the how very did, people... How long did Matthew write after the resurrection? How many years Oh, that's a good... Matthew's one of his 60s, maybe, sure. He was one of the later ones. Mark was... Mark's one of the earlier ones. And so, you know, anywhere from... Paul's letters, time frame. Some people think it's 57 to 60 AD. Sure. The sources that he used and compiled. Mark was a little later than that. Because he's, he's writing from tradition too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, stories and what these. Well, he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. Most most the sources, the compiled sources. Right. The other, well, issue, the other issue mm-hmm. is they, they absolutely have no real knowledge of when the Gospels were written. Some scholars place understand. between 65 and 100. 100, I know, yeah. right. You can debate it all day long about all that <laughs> stuff when they're written. But it's... Um, so you have God speaking to the Gentiles in dreams. You got God speaking to everybody else, and no one who is God's people want to listen. So it's very interesting, but it's a great, this is a great, you know, 
interesting story. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up a little bit early because we're talking about uh, any other thoughts, questions. They just might have let them in. I don't know. (laughs) Matthew refers back to Jeremiah, which is how this tradition gets brought in that they left because. Correct. The reference of Jeremiah. Well, this, the um, any Arlene, did you have a, well, a question thought? Uh, no, yeah, and I'm just thinking if you think about this time that they traveled, here was this star, this bright, bright star that was up in the heavens mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. And then it moved. Yep. And it moved over to where Jesus was. Right. Talking about he may be two years. My Bible mm-hmm. says, and they came into the house. It doesn't say right. into, into the house. Yeah. Came into the house, not the manger. So, in part, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bethlehem's like 10 miles from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Isn't that about right? I, I don't know. It was, it's not real far. It's not real far. I mean, it's hard to move a star 10 miles. Mm-hmm. What kind of star was it? We don't know. That's the thing. But it's interesting that God doesn't basically take the star and just plop it over where Jesus is. And then Herod doesn't have to like consult anybody and no one gets to worship. He just goes, oh, do you see that star? Maybe that's the star. Maybe let's follow him and let's kill some, you know. So there's, there's this interesting thing, you know, went from the star plopped over Bethlehem, brought them there. They, what? What did the Magi do? They were gospelers, basically. They actually said, hey, where's your Messiah going to be born? And it's like, oh, wake up, Herod. Wake up, high priest. Wake up, all these scribes, all that stuff. No. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Hey, do you see that huge star? Look, it's moving. Hey, we're going to go follow it, you know? And what they do is they come concoct a plan to go kill a bunch of kids so that that can't become the king. I mean, it's just the crazy stuff, you know? And so God, again, presenting himself to the world and his own people didn't hear him. Or want to seek them out as well, much. And said. the question then, Marty, or is chosen. Star, once, this, once they were led, mm-hmm. did the star stay? That's what our manger said. You know, the star stayed there. Right. Because if it did, then it would leave. It came to rest there, but then we don't hear anything about it after that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So, A lot of the thoughts. As a star. There's all sorts of wonderful and it does move. things, yeah. The, the stars yep. that we love, I don't think they move very much. Yeah. 
Or it could have just been a huge bright light that God said, yeah, I want to put a big bright light right there. I don't know. I'm, I'm not against any of that stuff. God can do whatever God wants to do. So. He could have come up with something that we don't have any trace of anymore. So um, he could have sent aliens. They could have been an alien spaceship. And he could have just moving. So... Next week, thanks for being here, everybody. Next week, we're going to talk about unicorns and giants. Um, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 17. We're going to look at Isaiah 34, verse 7. And Psalm twenty two twenty one. I will try to send that out in some particular way. And I am going to manage all that into one hour. Dinosaurs, we, well, we can talk about that, sure. Okay, dinosaurs maybe. We'll see what happens. At least unicorns and giants are on the billing. So go in peace. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here.